Well, good morning. We want to welcome everybody out, those that are here at our Colonial Heights campus with us and those that are watching by our live stream. We thank you for being a part of our worship today. Uh, it is a good day to be connected, isn't it, to be a part of the family of God. We've had an exciting time this weekend at the Heights with our um, Love 804 projects yesterday. We had our one uh, here locally for us at Colonial Heights at Petersburg and Poplar Lawn working with Mount Olivet Church. And then also our Midlothian campus had a project of their own out working at one of the schools near them. So it was just a fun time to be out in the community and, and working together to make a difference to improve our community. Well, Pastor Randy will be back next week, so you can pass that word around so everybody knows. We're excited that he's had the opportunity to get a little bit of vacation time, but also some work-related uh, time off. And uh, we're happy that he'll be back with us next week. Well, if you've ever uh, searched on the internet, then chances are at some point in time you've run across a little thing that looks something similar to this. A 404 error, not found. You usually get those when you've clicked on a link on one particular page that's going to take you to another page for more information, and there's something wrong with the link. Maybe they didn't put it in there right, or maybe they've moved it or deleted that page, and so instead of getting the information that you thought you were going to get, you end up with something like this. Now, they don't always look that way. People spend a lot of time, energy, and effort making all sorts of cute little 404 uh, era images, but you've seen something similar to that. Basically, what it's telling you is this. Whatever you were looking for can't be found where you were looking. Well, what does that have to do with us? What does that have to do with a sermon for us uh, on this Sunday in August? Well, the truth of the matter is that as we go through life, we spend much of our lives searching for things. You know, uh, we look for love, we look for information, we look for satisfaction, we look for purpose, we look for fulfillment. And the world is always ready to go and give us the, these places, these opportunities, these things where we can connect. They'll tell us, click here, click next. And so we've got one thing that's telling us to click here. This is where you're going to find fulfillment. Another thing, oh no, not that one, click here. Another one comes along, click there. And so we've got all of these places that are telling us, click here, connect here. This is where you can find what you're looking for. But the truth of the matter is, for most of those things, they are bad links. They're what they call dead links. They don't take us anywhere. They don't take us to what we were looking for. As we go through life, there are several ways that we try to connect up with this. A lot of times people will try to link pleasure to fulfillment. And so they, they say, click on this. Click on pleasure. This is what you want. And, and we understand that because we have wants and we have desires and we ha have those things we crave and, and we think sometimes those things will give us purpose. We see them in the if only, you know, if only I could have this or if only I could experience that or if only I could be a part of this over here. And we think, okay, that's going to be the answer we're looking for. That's going to be the fulfillment we're looking for. That's going to be the satisfaction that we're looking for. But the truth of the matter is it doesn't do it. Solomon, king of Israel, writer in the Old Testament, one of the, the wisest man who's ever lived, the richest man who's ever lived. And at the end of his, as he approached the end of his life, 
in, in the book of Ecclesiastes, he's writing down some of his thoughts and reflections on life and what he has discovered in life. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, he talks about this idea of searching for that connection with fulfillment through pleasure. He says, the eye is not satisfied with seeing or the ear filled with hearing. What he's telling us in that passage is that pleasure is a bad link. It doesn't get us the fulfillment that we're searching for. And yet very much our culture is based on that. Our culture is linked into this idea of pleasure being what is going to bring you satisfaction. We see that in the advertising industry. Their their whole thing is trying to convince us that this product or this product is going to meet our pleasure need, and by meeting our pleasure need, it's going to meet our satisfaction or fulfillment need. You know, that's why they have sayings like, the taste that satisfies. Now, if that were true, we really could eat only one Lay's potato chip, right? We really could just get by with one cup of coffee. But those things aren't true. It's it's a bad link that is there. How how many of us in here have, have gone up to the refrigerator, opened the door, and the refrigerator may be filled with all kinds of food, but we look at it, and none of it looks like what we want. Anybody been there? Anybody done that? You just stand there with the door open, looking at it, going, I don't want any of this. But you're hungry, so you grab something. So you reach in and you grab out something. And usually it's not something that's good for you. It's a lot easier to pull out the piece of chocolate cake than it is to pull out the ingredients to make the tossed salad, isn't it? And so we go with that substitute. We go with that snack food instead. And, And that's the way it is sometimes spiritually as well. You know, we sometimes physically look at food and we take something that is a a poor substitute and spiritually we try to do the same thing. We try to fool our spiritual taste buds. Now, many of us in here, some of you not, but many of us in here have gone on a diet before. And, And some of you have done better with your diets than others of us have done with our diets. But we've been on diets and one of the big diet crazes over the last dozen years has been a reduction in carbohydrates. If you want to lose weight, if you want to get healthy, you need to reduce your carbs. And so thinking about that and thinking about links, you can go on, onto the web and you can click and, and try to get some things to help me reduce carbs. And here's some of the links you can get. Four tricks to replace carbs with cauliflower. Six creative cauliflower substitutions. Eleven ways to reduce carbs with cauliflower. And here's my favorite. How to substitute cauliflower for almost everything you eat. (laughs) Now we had Chef Chris up here on the screen a few minutes ago. But I'm going to let you in on a little culinary secret this morning. Cauliflower does not taste like mashed potatoes. (laughs) Cauliflower does not taste like rice. And cauliflower has no place in cookies or cake. Cauliflower is cauliflower. It is a cruciferous vegetable, which means it's part of the mustard plant family. By the way, a little aside here, cruciferous also means bearing a cross. So that explains a lot about why I feel the way I do about vegetables. But cauliflower is not a substitute for potatoes. And pleasure's not a substitute or a link to fulfillment. 
Yet we'll click on it. We'll try it. But it's a bad link. It doesn't take us where we wanted to go. Well, there's another place we'll click sometimes. Not, not just in terms of our desires and all, but we will click on performance. You know, performance, being good at something, being good at our job, being a success in the work world, that, that can bring us satisfaction. That can bring us fulfillment. And so we get in and we climb the corporate ladder and we run the rat race and we do all of those things to try to be successful. And yet we look into the world of entertainment. We look into the world of athletics. We look into the corporate world itself. And we find that that link is broken. In fact, some of the least satisfied and unhappiest people of all are people who are at the top of the ladder. Back in January of 2015, Forbes magazine printed an article and it was entitled, Why Are the Super Successful So Depressed? And here's some of the reasons they gave. They said the competition is tiring. Being in that constant state of having to work harder to keep the guy under you, still under you, where's your help? It says, working all the time doesn't allow them the opportunity to focus on the simple things. They miss out on the simple things of life. They feel detached from their former selves. In other words, they've forgotten who they are. Their privilege actually makes them less resilient. They've had so many things given to them through the years that they don't have the ability to handle the hard times as they come. The industry itself can just tear them down and wear them out. And then one final thing, it says their values have changed over time. They find they have sell themselves short on their values and what they believed in in order to succeed. So we have this problem of success. And again, going back to Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, he says, For what does a man get with all of his work and all of his efforts that he labors with under the sun? For all his days are filled with grief, and his occupation is sorrowful. Even at night, his mind does not rest. This too is futile. You been there? You had nights where you couldn't sleep because you were worrying about your work? See, performance, success on the job, success in those areas of life, that's a broken link. It's a dead link. It doesn't take us to fulfillment. It doesn't take us to satisfaction and all of that. Another thing we try sometimes to link to fulfillment is possessions. We try to see if, you know, if we got more things, if we have more toys. And so we go for bigger houses and bigger cars and and vacation homes and all of these things. But the problem is, it doesn't work. Again, it's a link that doesn't take us to where we want to go. How many of us have seen this pop up on a product? 100% satisfaction guaranteed. Truth of the matter is, that appears on more products and more things today than ever before, and yet more people are dissatisfied. More people are unhappy. 
See, possessions can't bring us fulfillment because there's a problem with the possessions. There's always new stuff coming along. How many of you have gone out and bought the very best computer you could find, the, the state-of-the-art kind of computer that's there, and you buy it and you go home, and then the next day you see where they've come out with a new computer? Or you buy the very best car that's on the market, and so you get that car, <coughs> and then you find out, okay, the new model's much, much better than my old model. See, things don't satisfy us. We're never going to get there. And Solomon knew that. He acknowledged that in Ecclesiastes 5. He says, the one who loves money is never satisfied with money. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with income. This, too, is futile. So if this idea of, you know, these things that can link us to God, you know, whether we're talking about performance or we're talking about pleasure or we're talking about possessions if all of these are bad links dead links they don't get us that sense of purpose that sense of satisfaction that sense of fulfillment then we need to ask ourselves a couple of questions and the first thing we need to ask is what is it that we're actually looking for what is it that we desire in Colossians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10 Paul writes these words. He says, Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elemental forces of the world, and not based on Christ. For in Him the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily, and you have been filled by Him who is the head over every ruler and authority. See, what we are searching for, whether we realize it or not, is we are searching for God. That's the answer. Now, the background to this passage that we just read is this. Paul's writing to the church at Colossae, which is a relatively new church in the first century. And he is telling them that they need to be careful because there are those who are coming along who are trying to deceive you. There are those who are coming along who are saying, well, what you have is fine and good, but you need more. You need this and you need that. And they're bringing up the things of the world. They are, in essence, doing a first century equivalent of click here. They're saying, you need to do this and to do that. And Paul is saying to them, no, that's not true. What you need is to focus on God. What you need is to discover God through Jesus Christ in your life. He said, for in him the entire fullness of God's nature dwells bodily. You see, he's telling them that the link you're looking for is not pleasure and it's not performance and it's not possession. In fact, the link is not a philosophy, it is a person. It is the person of Jesus Christ who came to this world to be our Savior, who came to this world to pay the price for our sins. He says, and it's in him that we find fullness. It is in him we find satisfaction and nowhere else. Everything else is a false link, a bad link, a dead link. He said, but Jesus is the real link to God. Augustine said, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they exist in thee. You have made us for yourself, God. Until our hearts rest in you, we're going to be restless. We're not going to be satisfied. We're not going to be complete. 
were not going to be fulfilled. Jesus said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Friends, what an awesome statement that is. It is in Jesus that we discover the fullness of God because he said, the fullness of God dwells in him in bodily form. Why did Jesus come in bodily form? He came to live the life that you and I needed to live but couldn't live. He came to live a life that was perfect. Perfect in action, perfect in conversation, perfect in attitude, perfect in love, perfect in forgiveness, perfect in mercy. He came as a person to live that life for us. And then he chose to die on the cross. And why did he do that? Again, to be our substitute. To take our place. To die a death we couldn't die. You see, because we had sinned and come short of his glory, we needed someone to come and live that perfect life and die that perfect death to pay the price for the sin that we committed. And that's what Jesus did. And so he's the link that connects us to God. He's the link that enables our restless spirit to rest in God. You notice it talks there about the basic principles of this world in Colossians. What's the basic principle of this world? It's to trust in yourself. You don't need anything else. You can do it. Just be a little better. Be a little nicer. Work a little harder. You can do it. Trust in yourself. But trusting in ourself is what got us in the problem in the first place. God says, no, trust in Jesus. Trust in Him and what He did for you on the cross. You see, it's in Jesus that we make the link. It's in Jesus that we find fulfillment. It is in Jesus that we find completeness. He says, and you have been filled by Him. So when we trust in Jesus, He fills us. And He fills us with that which makes us complete. And now we're completely perfect because Jesus is our substitute. We're completely forgiven because Christ died for our sins. We're completely connected with God by the only link that would ever do it. And so we find that completeness. In Christ, we make the link. When He created us, He created us with a physical appetite. Because of that, we have to eat. And if we don't eat, we feel the consequences of that. We feel the hunger. We feel the need. He also made us with a spiritual appetite. And we have to meet the need of that spiritual appetite. And that, that need is met in Christ Jesus. Only in God is our satisfaction guaranteed. Only in Christ do we find that link that we need. See, only in Christ do we Make the connection with God that brings us fulfillment. 
The only thing that links us to God is Jesus Christ and His sacrificial death upon the cross. And so as we gather this morning in worship, as we gather and focus in on Jesus, we move now to His table. We move there to remember what He did and to proclaim it to everyone around us. Let's move to His table. Paul wrote in his first letter to the church at Corinth. He says, I, what I received from God, I pass on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, gave thanks, broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he also took the cup after supper, and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes.
before we partake of the bread and the juice, my deacons reminded me that I forgot a little bit of housekeeping. Those of you that are on the left-hand side of every section at the end of your row, if you'll look under your chair, you'll see a little basket there. Once we finish taking the Lord's Supper, what we'd like to ask you to do is take that basket, put your cup in it, and pass it on down. Rather than try to put them into the little uh, circles up under, we end up with a lot of banging and clinking and dribbling cups that way. Plus, this also enables our deacons to be able to clean up, more, clean up quickly for the, uh, for the next service. So once we finish, if those of you that are on the left-hand uh, seat of every row would start that basket for us, when it gets to the end, just set it under that chair for us. Scripture has said that Jesus is the fullness of God in bodily form. That body came and suffered for us and for our sins. He was beaten almost beyond recognition as a person. And that was done for us. As Jesus gathered his disciples that night in the upper room, he told them and he tells us, as often as you take of this, remember, remember. Scripture also tells us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. That's what Jesus came to do for us. That's what our Savior did. He shed His blood upon the cross to cover our sins. And He said, as often as you drink of this cup, remember. If you will take the baskets and pass them on down. Our service this morning has centered on that which is central to what we believe and trust in as Christians. Jesus Christ, our sacrificial Savior, who died and paid the price for our sins. He lived the life we couldn't live, died the death that we couldn't die, and He did it for us. If you're here today and you've never accepted that gift from Jesus, there's never been a time when you came to the realization that you were a sinner who needed a Savior. But today you feel God speaking to your heart and we want to encourage you not to let that moment slip by. It is a gift offered to you. But you need to make the decision to accept it. You know, those moments in your life when you realize there was that discontent, that restlessness, that was the search in your soul for the God who created you. And that's Jesus reaching out to you right now. If you need to know Jesus, if you need to experience that salvation, that rescue from your sins, that forgiveness, that eternal life, then we urge you, we beg you not to leave God's house without doing something about it.